D.L. Moody said, well, today is uh, the family chat. And uh, to those of you that have never been here, you're like, what's a family chat? I just came to church. Family chat is something we do every year at Northwest. And it's kind of like a business meeting, but it's so much more than a business meeting because we know that we're not a business. Our goal, our bottom line isn't profit. Our bottom line isn't revenue. Our bottom line isn't how many whatever we sold this year. Our bottom line is our people's lives being changed by the gospel. But to make that happen, there's a lot of things that we have to do. There's, there's money, there's different things that go into making a church run. And so we take the opportunity every year to have a family chat. And we like this to be a big thing where our whole church family is involved and knows what's going on in the life of Northwest. And so if you've been part of Northwest for a long time, you're familiar with this, although we moved it to Sunday morning, so that's a change for you, but we hope you like it. But if you're, if you're new with us, we want to just make sure you understand that as we talk about a couple numbers here, and I share some facts and figures with you, I want you to know that is not the, the main reason why we exist at Northwest. We're going to share these things so that you can know about the health of our church family, but these are not the things that we live for. We don't live every week crunching numbers, making sure that everything's adding up, all those kind of things. We live every week to see opportunities for God to do things in the lives of people. And these numbers, these healthy facts and figures that I'm going to share with you are just a, a part of how we measure how we're doing at that, how things are going, and are we going to be able to continue to do the things that we want to do in this community and things that we believe God has called us to do in this community. So I'm just going to share for a couple minutes about some of the budget numbers and the financial figures. Some of you may think, man, I'm just going to tune out and that's okay. Brian's going to get to the good stuff in a few minutes. Some of you are going to say, man, David, you didn't go deep enough. I really want to know more. And you can come talk to me afterwards. And also we're going to have a full financial report available in September when we actually close out our budget year. We actually have one week left of expenditures as well as giving. So these numbers are a week off. Apologize for that, just how the calendar falls doesn't usually affect us too much. You'll still see some incredible things on these, these slides and these facts. Um, but yeah, so those, those numbers, for those of you that are number cruncher spreadsheet people, we'll be able to give you a lot more detail in September. So look for a financial report to be available at the Welcome Center. Also, while I'm up here, while Brian's up here, if you have a question, we're going to accept questions via text. i make things easier. We're going to kind of go through them during this time, and then we'll, uh, Brian will answer those at the end. So send them to that number that you see on the screen if you have a question that you think of during this time that you think everybody would like to hear the answer to. Pop up the next slide for me. These first few slides that I'm going to just talk through real quick are just, uh, just some highlights of what God's been doing. Uh, like I said, attendance isn't the bottom line for what we, what we live for, but it's pretty cool to see this graph, to see this upward trend of the people that are finding opportunities to grow in their faith at Northwest, the people that are finding Jesus at Northwest. And you notice here we've seen uh, so some significant growth in 2013, and part of that is due to the, the joining together of two churches as Northwest and the Creek came together. And so that's part of that number there in 2013. And so we're really excited to see that uh, not only is our attendance growing and there's more opportunities for us to have impact here as a collective church at Northwest, but also in our community, because we believe as we grow, we exponentially have more opportunity in our community to be making a difference for the gospel. Also, the next slide shows that not only are we growing in numbers, but we're growing in our generosity. And it's really exciting to see that our weekly giving has gone up huge over the last couple of years. And we are so excited to see that you guys are buying into what God is doing. You're not buying into the fact that we're selling a great product. You're buying into the fact that God is doing something incredible in Northwest Cary. And you guys are helping make that happen. Your dollars are at work to help change lives, to help us disciple students and children's and students' ministry, to help us have the right staff to be able to make these things happen. We are very careful with how we spend that money. We're very careful, I'll get to the budget in a minute, with uh, the fact that we don't just spend whatever you guys give. We spend what we know God has entrusted us to spend on the things that we are doing here at Northwest that we pray about that we believe he's calling us to. And that's a reflection of the fact that you guys are, are, are part of that. You guys are excited about that. And that's our, 
That's an increase of, uh, we're over $13,000 or right at about 13,000 weekly giving right now. And we're thrilled to see that you guys are buying into this vision that God has given us at Northwest and the things that God is doing in Northwest Cary. This last number goes hand in hand with that. 139 household givers last year, up to 205 household givers this year. That's a pretty incredible number. I, I'm so thankful when I see that number, when I see these lists come through every week, and I see that there are new people that are just saying, you know what, I value what God is doing at Northwest, so I'm putting my money behind that. If you look at, if you look at my bank account, you'd see some things that I value. I value coffee. I value food. I value lots of things. I value Apple products. That's a dangerous one for me. My wife would tell you that, but hopefully if we look at this number, we see that it's not just a few people that value what God's doing at Northwest, but the church as a whole and a large majority is responding to the fact that God's doing something and you guys are giving to that vision. So we, we applaud you guys for that. We thank you for that because we don't have to stand up here and tell you these numbers and tell you, man, that, that's, a, that's a backwards arrow. We've gone down this year. We're excited to see that you guys are funding the vision that God has for this place. On to the next slide. I'm gonna give you just a quick financial snapshot. The short of this is that we've underspent what we thought we were gonna spend and you guys have overgiven what we thought you were gonna give. That's awesome. That is awesome. For, for the people that sit in an office and look at numbers and have to worry about those things, there's not really much worrying because you guys are doing an amazing job of making sure that we don't have to come up here and beg and plead for money to do what God has called us to do, but that we just get to keep doing it. We get to keep increasing the opportunities that we have to see what God has for us in Northwest Cary. You might see that number and say, well, so doesn't that mean you guys didn't budget very well if you didn't spend it? No, what that means is that we plan a year out, but over the course of the year, things change, and we say, you know what, that's, that's not going to happen, or hey, we saved money there, or X, Y, Z, and so we say, you know what, that's okay, we don't, we don't need to spend that money. We don't just spend it because we have it, we spend it because that's what God wants us to do with it. And the second thing, you say, so what do you do with it when there's extra at the end of the year? Whose pocket does that go in? Well, that goes into our global staff's pockets, that goes into our local outreach, and that goes into our savings. Three different things that have happened in the last year. We've been able to give away our offering last year. End of the year, we said, you know what, we're healthy, we're great. We gave away the offering, and we blessed each of our global staff as well as some of our local outreach partners with extra support, extra things that we weren't planning on being able to do, but we were able to do it because you guys gave so generously. You'll also notice in your uh, annual report, which you have, the second document you got this morning, that there's a building fund on our balance sheet. We never raised support or we never raised funds for a building fund. That just came because you guys gave generously. And we put that away and we said, you know what, when God says it's time to go build, when God says it's time to look at land, we're gonna have a little bit there so that we can get that process started. So we've been able to get that process started now, looking at this land that Brian's gonna share more with you about today. Because you guys have given generously and we've been able to save that and we've been able to say, hey, this is what God has for us. We know that he provided those funds so that we can start the due diligence process on this piece of property without coming to you guys and begging for money because you guys have already provided it. And it's been awesome to see that happen. Next slide, last one that I have is a new budget. You guys can look at the detail in that document. I just want to highlight a couple things. Overall, we have increased operating budget. I believe my percentage was, you guys can see it in there, 2% operating increase, a 23% ministry increase, a 3% staff increase, and 29% in outreach for a total increase in the budget of 15%. Just to highlight those things, operating means 
rent to be here at Panther Creek. We pay a big chunk of that operating. Actually, about half of that operating budget is to be here. We have a rental office. We have insurance that we have to carry. All those different things. That's all part of operating. Uh, ministry is anything that happens to make children's ministry, student ministry, life groups, big events that we do as a church family, baptisms, classes, different things. All of that comes out of the ministry budget. Staff budget is staff salaries, benefits, payroll taxes, fees, all those kind of things that go with paying a staff. And the last thing is outreach. And it's, it's deceptive because really staff is outreach. Ministry is outreach. You guys are outreach. Operations is even outreach. But that's specifically funds that goes to local and global outreach. That's to our partners that are helping us further the gospel around our community and around the globe. So in a nutshell, these are awesome numbers. And we are so thankful to be part of what God is doing at Northwest. It's a privilege for me to sit at my desk every week and see these numbers, to be preparing this document last week and to know what God is doing at Northwest. And he's blessing it because you guys are part of it and we just can't wait to see what's next this next year. Family Chat is not just about looking back and not just about numbers, it's about lives changed. Watch this video and see what God's been doing this past year. Let the darkness fear Show your mighty hand Heal our streets and land Set your church on fire Win this nation back Change the atmosphere Build your kingdom here We pray Come set your rule and reign In our hearts again Increase in us, we pray, unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us. Let's go!
darkness fear Show your mighty hand Heal our streets and land Say your truth Well, isn't it great to be part of that? I think it is. I think it's pretty awesome. And uh, I got to watch that video late last night, and uh, I just get goosebumps when I see stuff like that. Because uh, especially if you've been here from the beginning and you know where we started and where God's led us right now, that's an incredibly exciting thing. And I'm thankful to uh, to be part of it. Uh, Do you like to dream? I mean, do, do you like to go to sleep so you can dream? Is there anybody like that? I find myself liking to do that, liking to go to sleep, obviously because I need rest, but I love to go to sleep so that I can dream. Now, I I don't like bad dreams. I had a bad dream the other night. I'm not going to tell you about that. I'll tell you about that in an upcoming sermon probably. But one of the worst experiences for me is when I'm dreaming and I wake up in the middle of a really great dream. Has that ever happened to you? And, and, And then, I mean, this is one of those dreams where life is as it should be, right? I mean, everything is awesome. In fact, you're thinking as you're dreaming, boy, this must be a dream, and it is, but you don't really know that yet. And then all of a sudden you wake up for some inexplicable reason and the dream is over. I, I hate that. And, and then if you've ever tried to get back to sleep, I can't do this, but if you've ever tried to get back to sleep so that you can start and you can pick up your dream from where it was, has anybody ever tried to do that? And you're thinking, okay, I'm going to think about those things that I was dreaming and hopefully I'll just fall right back into that zone and it never happens. At least it never happens for me. But it's still good to dream. As a pastor, I think other guys on staff would, uh, would say this to you, that uh, I like to dream about the church. I I like to dream about what can happen through the influence of a local church. And I know that some of you are sitting here going, wow, how pathetic is that? That that's what your dreams are. That's what you dream about. I I dream about other things, and we'll talk about that one day. But for today, I want to tell you that one of the things that I enjoy dreaming about is the church. D.L. Moody said this. Some of you have heard this quote. In fact, this is the quote that is, has been ascribed to him that probably is the most famous of all things that evangelist D.L. Moody said. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with one man who is fully consecrated to him. With God's help, I intend to be that man. And this morning, I want to kind of take it one step further to expand the influence from one person to many people. I believe the world is yet to see what God can do with one local church which is fully committed to influencing its community and the world with the life-changing message of the gospel. And I would say, with God's help, we should intend to be that kind of a church. You know, God has one plan for his work to be done here on earth. He only has one plan. He doesn't have plan A, and then if plan A doesn't work, plan B, and if plan B doesn't work, plan C. He's only got one plan, and that is the church. He refers to it, in fact, in Scripture as his bride. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The church is indestructible and it will last forever and nothing on earth is more valuable to God than his church. And hear me say this, the church is not a building with a steeple. 
The church is people. And nothing on earth is more valuable to God than his church, which is people. He paid the highest price for it, and he wants it protected, and he wants it cherished. He wants it to accomplish the purpose for which it was intended. Now that is true, and yet what is so tragically true also is the reality that most churches aren't that way. You know, I read this week that we plant half as many churches as we did in the 1950s. And in fact, last year, 3,700 churches actually closed their doors. Now, I would submit to you that most of those churches are closing their doors because they've lost their mission. They no longer have a purpose or a reason for existing. Nobody seems to want what they have to offer. Why would anybody need the church? Why would anybody come to church? What does the church have to offer a community or a world that is so desperately seeking the reality of what's true? A recent Newsweek poll said this, I found this to be fascinating, that Americans are looking for personal ecstatic experiences with God. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I'm going to take a stab at it. I think we might say that this way, that they're looking to see if God is real and if having a relationship with him really makes a difference. And I would submit to you this morning that whether or not they see that depends on how we live out the gospel when we leave rooms like this in just a little while all across this community and all around the globe. That's what the world is longing to see. 80% of the people in America say that they believe in God. In fact, only 21% of those who say that they believe in God actually attend religious services each week. I find that to be fascinating. There are approximately 300 million people in the United States, and yet it's estimated that 250 million people are unchurched. Why is that? Charles Cheney, the former vice president of the Southern Baptist Home Mission Board, said this, America will not be won to Christ by establishing more churches like the vast majority we have now. I would say to you, something needs to change if the church is going to be what God intended for it to be. I would also speculate that many of these people who say they believe in God and yet don't attend church don't attend church because most have attended a church or they've attended churches that don't look anything like what they read in the Bible the church looked like in its infancy in Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible, turn there just real quickly. I want to read this passage to you, verses 41 to 47. If you've been around Northwest any length of time, you know this is one of my favorite passages. I would preach on this just about every other week. I love this because this is obviously what God intended for the church to be. And in its infancy, when the church was just beginning in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the church had a real mission. It was a true community. In fact, it was indeed a family. For most new converts to Christianity at that time, When they came to Christ, it meant that they lost everything. They lost their family relationships, their friendships. They were actually treated as if they were dead. And so it was so important to them as they came into the church, to the body of Christ, it was important for them to feel part of a community of believers in Jesus Christ. And so we read in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 41, the New American Standard. So then, those who had received his word were baptized And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. (laughs) That's just awesome. I mean, I'd just love to be part of that just one time. That'd be awesome. Talk about the family chat that year. That would be incredible. Those numbers would be incredibly skewed, wouldn't they? Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, 
It's that Greek word, by the way, koinonia, which is a really rich word. It's different than what some of us are used to when we say fellowship and we think of the fellowship hall being downstairs in the basement of the church with stale cookies and red punch. It was much more than that, all right? I mean, they were like doing life together. Koinonia in the Greek language is a rich, rich word. They were giving themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, don't you? Or you just go, wow, what was that? They kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. We sell our possessions and then we go buy bigger possessions, don't we? We sell our house and we buy a bigger house. We sell our car, we buy a nicer car. They were selling their stuff and then giving the money away to other people that needed them. Sounds like a great church, especially if you had a need. I'd want to be part of that church. Verse 46. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved. Is there any wonder that God was adding to their number day by day those that were being saved? It was a contagious gospel. And so the church was the church. This was the real mission of the church. And we find from the historical example that when the church is the church, incredible, awesome stuff happens, doesn't it? It all started there in Acts 2. Now, I believe it's wise to remind ourselves on a regular basis why Northwest exists. That's why, from the very beginning, we started doing an annual family chat. I despise the term business meeting. We don't have business meetings. You don't have a business meeting at your house. Some of you might, but you're weird. We don't have business meetings at our house, right? I mean, you have a chat. You don't have a business meeting with your wife. If you do, something needs to change, right? You sit your kids down, you talk about maybe where you want to go on vacation, you talk about, you know, nobody's doing their chores, the house isn't being cleaned. You have, a, you have a conversation, but you don't have a business meeting. We intended early on, and we decided that we weren't going to have business meetings, we were going to have a family talk, and that's what we're doing here this morning. I want to remind you of the mission of Northwest Community Church. Northwest Community Church exists to reach people with the life-changing message of the gospel and equip people to become fully developing followers of Jesus who impact their world for him. And the process by which we intend to accomplish that purpose, that vision is summarized in the four words that you see every week when you walk into Northwest Community Church. And I hope someday that if we have a driveway leading off of a major thoroughfare, that we will have these things posted so that when you come in, when you leave, you will say, I am supposed to belong, grow, serve, and reach. That's what I'm to be about. You see it every week when you come in. And we want to focus on some of those values this morning. You know, some people who come to Northwest and they come for the first time, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Somebody invited them here to hear the message, the series that we were in, or, or just to meet some of their friends and people come and they begin to explore Jesus and then they begin to explore what it means to have a relationship with him. And, and some people, as they've come in, they've found out what that means and they've trusted in Christ alone as their savior and they've come into a relationship with Jesus and that's a cool thing. That's an awesome thing to see that take place. And there's nothing better than when somebody gets it for the first time. If you've ever had the privilege, and as a Christ follower, I hope you have, if you've ever had the privilege of, of sitting with somebody across from somebody when you give them the gospel and they get it for the first time, that is an incredible thing. 
And I'm so thankful that we have people like that. Maybe you're here this morning and that's where you are. Maybe you've just recently given your life to Christ. Maybe you're still exploring the claims of Christ and who he is and what the gospel means. I want to tell you, we are glad you're here. We're really glad you're here. And I want this to be a very safe place where you can do that exploration. There are some people that come to Northwest and they've known Jesus and maybe, in fact, we see this a lot, they're new to the area, they got transferred here with Cisco or with IBM or with somebody and so they're new to the area and now they're looking for a church home. And I'm encouraged on a regular basis as I interact with these people as well. Because here's what's true more often than not, that as I interact with these people, I realize they get it. They get what we're all about. They jump in with both feet almost immediately They jump in, they get involved, we get emails, we get phone calls. Hey, how can I serve? How can I get involved? They start giving towards the mission as David was talking about earlier. And that is just an incredible thing. And I want to say if that's you and that describes you, thanks. Because I'm glad you're here as well. The Northwest is a special place, I believe, because of the people that he's bringing into this fellowship of believers. The best way that I can describe that to you because you don't see what I see and what some of our staff sees on a regular basis is just to give you a few stories and I'm going to do that this morning without names attached to them. This is the couple that just recently moved to Cary to retire. In fact, they told me they've always dreamed of retiring and having a nice home on the lake. The problem is they discovered that usually there are not growing vibrant churches that are close to lake communities. And so they want to continue to be involved in ministry. They want a church that's making a difference. And so their answer, and they were able to, was to buy smaller homes, but to buy two homes. To buy one home in Carolina Preserve and buy one home by the lake so that they could get the best of both worlds. But most importantly, so that they could have a church that they could call home that was involved in the mission of the gospel. Is that awesome or what? And I had more interaction with this gentleman just this week. He's sitting in the service here today. And I want to tell you, it encouraged my heart. And I thought, God, make me that kind of a man that someday when I get to the point, probably never will because I'll never have enough money. But if I ever get to the point where I could stop working, that I won't buy into the idea that you're done with me, that I will stay in the mission of the gospel, that it will be more important to me to be involved in the mission of the gospel than it will to have a beautiful home on a lake someplace. And I will say, I will not choose to live there unless there's a church that I can be involved in that's making a difference for the cause of the gospel. Every single one of you ought to say amen to that if you believe that we are to be intentional with the gospel. Amen? That's an incredible thing. And I pray, God, give us more people like that. And I pray, God, make me that kind of a man that has those kind of values. It's about the woman who just started attending classes at Southeastern Seminary. She sent me this text last week. She said, I'm sitting here now in Binkley Chapel amazed at the awesome opportunity I have before me. It won't be easy by any means, but I'm thrilled to be here getting equipped for a deeper intentional impact in the lives of brothers and sisters and the lost. I love how she used that word intentional just to kind of go along with our series. At least I think that's what she did. In just a day and a half, she said, I've been exposed to so much more than the status quo and classes have not even started yet. The Lord is giving me so many ideas for outreach into the community of the hurting around us. I know I'm only one person and I can't do it all, but I'm going to try. Because tears flow when I ponder all of this. I know he will change me and I know I'll never be the same. And that's a good thing. That's awesome. It's about the high school kid who comes here every Sunday, even though his parents don't come. He comes every Sunday and just recently he said, you know what? I could come a little bit early and I could jump in and I can be involved on the setup team. 
It's about the guy who came running up to me last fall after a Sunday morning service during our Encounters with Jesus series. And he said to me, I have to get out of my comfort zone, step out of the boat and do something radical that I believe God wants me to do. I've got to be obedient. And now he's taking his family to the country of Ukraine. It's about the guy who got to know some of us while playing on an opposing church softball team. And through some very unusual circumstances, which we won't talk about just now, he started attending Northwest and he played on one of our softball teams this past spring. At the end of the season, he wrote this, gentlemen, I just wanted to take a few moments and say a little something. I want to personally thank every single one of you for taking me on this team and letting me be part of something special. I've never met a more likable bunch of guys in my life, and it's been such an honor to play with and get to know so many of you, and I look forward to keep building a friendship with each and every one of you guys. I truly enjoyed every moment on the field I shared with you and continue to enjoy the time I have at Northwest Community Church. Let me tell you, people, that is what we're about. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. I mean, if I could just stop right there and say, that's it, that's what we're about, that's happening, therefore we're doing it, so let's just keep doing what we're doing. Let me go through really quickly just our values, belonging. If the truth were known, most of us would have to say this, that in the society at large, we are known for nothing more than being a number. Anybody ever sense that? I've said it before. If you ran my credit report right now, you'd see my aliases. Now, they wouldn't be like, you know, like somebody told me this morning they were going to name their kid Charlie Husker, which I think is a great name, actually. I mean, I have no problem with that whatsoever if some of you pregnant ladies want to have any kind of Husker any kind of Husker name in your child's name, that'd be a great thing. I don't have aliases like that, but I have like W. Brian Eisner, William Brian Eisner, W.B. Eisner. But at the end of the day, you know what I found out? They don't really care. You know what they care about? They care about my social security number, right? That's all they really care about. And if that matches and I got the card to prove that that's who I am, that's what they really care about. While we're a number in society, in the larger society, I would say to you that when you walk in these doors at Northwest Community Church, you should not be a number. You should be a name. You should be a person with a story. And we want this to be a place where people feel like they belong. This last year, there have been more people involved in life groups than ever before. And we place a high value on life groups. We don't simply want you to come in here for too long and just sit here, sing some songs, listen to a message, and then just walk out and live your life for seven days and then start it all over again. We want you to do life with a group of people. And our life groups are very, very, very important to us, and great things are happening there. And as a result of that, I really believe that there are a lot of people here, not everybody, some not any fault of their own, others, think the majority who find themselves where they don't feel like they fit, they belong. Sometimes it's because you've not again, dove in and gotten messy and gotten involved relationally with people in small groups. And I want to challenge you not to do that. We also value growing. We believe it's, it's not okay to simply say you're a follower of Jesus and attend church once a week. We want to be all about people not just coming into a relationship with Jesus, but actually growing up in your faith. You know, churches are full of people in Cary, in the Triangle, and really all across this country, churches are full of people who pray to prayer, and they never really have grown up and understood who Jesus really is and who he wants them to be. We don't want to be one of those places. We want to value growing and coming into a, full, a fully mature, devoted relationship with Jesus. One of those ways in which we do that is through our children and our student ministries. 
And if, if you've seen this to be true, I am. Sometimes when I'm in the cafe area before or after the service and kids are running around all over the places and teenagers are throwing balls. No, you're actually not throwing balls usually. But doing those kind of things. And, and every once in a while, I'll see an adult that's a little exasperated at them. It's kind of like, what are those kids here? I want you to hear this from me. That I believe that when this place is silent, we better do a checkup. Because we're probably not a healthy place. Where there is youth, come on, sister, give it to me. Where there is youth, there is energy. Some of you need to learn to talk back to me a little bit, all right? Where there's youth, not, John McNeese, not in a sarcastic way, okay? I just want to clarify that. Where there's youth, there's energy, there is vitality. There are churches all across this country that would love to have the problem of kids running around all over the place and running into adults. They'd love to have that problem. The problem is they're dead. That's why they closed their doors this last year, all right? We love kids here at Northwest. As a result of that, we've done, I think, some incredible things with our children's ministry, even in the last uh, six months. Uh, We've been able to split up our large group elementary teaching session from uh, one group, K-5, to to two groups, uh, K-2, and then 3-5. These changes, I believe, not only help us to handle numbers, but they also allow us to better address children's needs developmentally and teaching them at age-appropriate levels. Secondly, we switched our curriculum to the Gospel Project curriculum in June. And these new materials provide our teachers with ample creative ideas to use each week as they, as they teach our children. And here's the greatest part about this new curriculum, which is very, very new, by the way, in churches. It's just being written. That both the Old and New Testaments have a direct connection that is clearly presented each week to Jesus Christ, to the Gospel. Now, I tell you, if we say we're intentional about the gospel, it doesn't begin when people get old enough to be in here. It begins with our young children in our children's ministry, and we're very purposeful about that. Most recently, in fact, just as as a week ago as we transitioned to two services, we now have two distinct children's ministry programs that happen. So I would challenge you to have your kids here both hours. There's going to be some incredible things. If they're not here both hours, they're going to miss something. And we just anticipate some great things happening. There's a good group of adults that are involved. A number of you are involved in that. Let me say from my heart and from our elder team, thanks for what you're doing. You are making a difference there, and I hope that that will continue. Angie Johnson, by the way, is leading our children's ministry team, and she's just doing a fantastic job. And I would ask you to support her in that effort. Our student ministry, likewise, is seeing some incredible things happen. We're reaching a lot of kids. You saw some of the stuff up on there on the screen. Doesn't it just make you want to go back and be a middle school or a high school kid again? I mean, don't you just want to lay? (laughs) Who said no? I mean, come on. Was that you, John McNeese? Well, that was so long ago, you can't possibly remember it. That's why. Hey, this is going to be one of those services I can talk back to you too. The staff tells me I do too much talking back to the audience, but I'm going to talk back today. All right, you talk back to me, I'm going to talk back to you. All right. I want to, I mean, I go back, I spent 20 years as a youth pastor and I go, that's fun. Wasn't that awesome laying in that mud? Those guys of you that were in the mud, that's awesome, right? I mean, that's where guys belong. That's where we were born, in the mud. There's <laughs> a lot of cool things happening in our student ministry and I'm thankful for that. There are kids that went to camp this summer at Lake Ann Camp up in Michigan. And I, I believe this, and there are a number of you I know that would agree with me because you made significant decisions in your life when you were in middle school, high school, at camp. Those are decisions which are being made right now which will help influence the direction of the rest of their lives. These are significant things. 
as you give to the mission of Northwest Community Church, you're just not given to a black hole. So much of what I spend my money on, I think, I get no return whatsoever. Every dollar that you invest in the ministry at Northwest allows us to see things like that happen. Our ministry to men and women is, is just incredible. I, I love what's going on. I mean, I love what's happening with mentoring and all of these things that are happening in the women's ministry, the women that are involved in Bible studies, the things that are happening there is just fantastic. Similar things happening with men. I had a guy come up to me a couple of weeks ago and told me he's involved with a small group of men, and he said, it's been the best thing that's ever happened in my life. He said, I love it. I love the accountability. I love the interaction. For the first time, I have friendships. I have relationships. And on September 17th, we're going to start our men's fraternity back up. We meet at the Cary Park Clubhouse in, in Cary Park in this neighborhood. And we invite you to be part of men's fraternity. Men, if you've not been part of that, you need to be, all right? be a great thing for you to be a part of, to get to know some guys and have the accountability and the fellowship that's there. And if nothing else, there's a biscuit that's waiting for you at 6.15, and you can't beat that, right? Wives, if your husband has a hard time, just kick him out of bed. Tell him you're getting up one way or the other. Either you're going there or you're getting out of the bed, but you are getting out of the bed, all right? Just push him out, all right? That'll happen. That'll be good. You know, we also recognize in part of the growing process that there are marriages that are constantly under attack by the enemy. And there's so many of our uh, lay elders uh, and staff that are involved in helping husbands and wives kind of work through issues. And we're going to continue to do that. We don't want to give up. We're going to do the hard stuff. We're going to have the tough conversations. And we're going to do whatever we can to see God restore marriages. And that's a growing process, right? All of us that are in the room this morning and we're married, we know that along the way there have been bumps. Sometimes there have been cliffs. Sometimes there have been things that have happened. But we're committed. That's part of belonging is, is the growing and the development of our marriages, and we're committed to that. We also value serving. Serving others is an incredible privilege. It really is. You know, we, uh, if you're like me, I, I grew up in pretty legalistic environments, and I, I, I really uh, I chafe under that a lot now because that's what I grew up in. In fact, I was at a wedding. I did a wedding last night, and these people were out there dancing. They were having an awesome time, and I'm going, I wish I could dance like that. And I can't because I just didn't, you know, I grew up, do not dance, you know, do these things, you know. And if you do that, Jesus will love you. And I'm going, he doesn't love me anymore because I didn't dance, and now here I am at 47 and I can't dance. Although, I have been developing some skills along the way. That's a whole nother, yeah. As I go to the daughter, daddy dances. Uh, not too long ago, I did that with my daughter. And the first time we went a couple of years ago at her ballet class the next week, they said, man, your dad can dance. That just tells you how pathetic the other dads were, right? <laughs> but I grew up in this legalistic environment. And one of the things that I always heard, and I remember as a young child, is somehow thinking that ministry was a punishment. Ministry was just something that you had to do, that Jesus made you do. You know, if you're going to name yourself as a Christ follower, then you got to serve. And like, ah, oh, we don't want it. It's kind of like the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, you know, time to make the donuts, you know, I've had time to serve the Lord, you know, all those kind of things. And it's just, and it's horrible. I remember singing that old hymn, So Send I You, at missions conferences. After the missionary threw out the 42-foot-long snakeskin and told me about being attacked by a snake in the jungle and then told me I should consider giving my life to go to Africa. Why? Why would I do that? And then we got up and we closed the service by singing, So send I you to labor unrewarded, unfed, unclothed. Unclothed? I don't want to be unclothed anyway. I don't want to be unclothed in America, let alone Africa with a 42-foot-long snake chasing after me. 
And I remember thinking, if that's what ministry, if that's what service is all about, I don't want to be involved in it. Some of you grew up the same way, and so you look at serving in that manner. We want to change that at Northwest. There's a lot of ministry that's already happened this morning. It's happening right now in our children's ministry, and it's going to happen when we close the service. It's going to happen this afternoon. It's going to happen this evening. It's going to happen all during the week inside the church family and all over this community as the church scatters. We're going to serve refugees. We'll serve meals to those who are hungry. We're going to tutor kids. We're going to help neighbors who are struggling. We're going to serve the sick. We're going to minister to kids and students. We're going to encourage and pray and counsel and challenge. We're going to prepare to lead life groups. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it happens every week here at Northwest. And here's the cool thing. I am blessed to get a front row seat to see so much of it. And I think that's why I'm so encouraged with what's happening here at Northwest. Let me say this. If you missed or were not involved in Serve Your City this past week, you missed one of the biggest events of the year of our church calendar, I believe. There were well over 200 people that participated in packing care packages for international students and children in India, building homes with Habitat for Humanity, serving meals at the Durham Rescue Mission, ministering to hurting families at the Ronald McDonald House, painting walls at an area a school, power washing and mulching here at Panther Creek High School. You name it, it happened this week. And then the conclusion was uh, Friday night at Thomas Brooks Park where we said, hey, we're going to do, instead of having our annual family chat thing where we do it kind of internally for us and we kind of celebrate what God's doing, instead... We're going to take it out to our community and we're going to bless our community. And so we decided to do this not really knowing how it was going to go. And Friday night, well over a thousand people from this community showed up. That's big stuff. And I'm going to tell you this. If you don't get excited about this and you don't get excited about that cause, then I came to the conclusion, in fact, I wrote it in my notes, then you must be dead. You must be. If you just sit there and you go, oh, well, that's really great. That's really good to hear that. And, you know, it's awesome that those people are involved in it. I don't have any intention of being involved in it. If that's your attitude, then I'm telling you something's wrong. You are either physically dead or you are spiritually dead. Or you are backslidden. You have fallen off the tracks and you need to get some help and get back on. This is good stuff. This is exciting. I want it Northwest to be a place where it's the exception for someone to attend and not serve. It's the exception, it's not the norm. I want it to be such the exception that if you interact with somebody who's been here for a certain length of time and you say, so where are you serving? And they say, well, I I really haven't found a place to serve. You kind of get this puzzled look on your face like, what? How could you not serve? You know, wow, you're missing one of the greatest opportunities. That's what we want Northwest to be about. We don't want to be the statistical norm which says that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We want about 80% of the people doing 80% of the work, and the other 20%, we're bringing along. We're bringing along. They're figuring it out. They're somewhere in the journey. Lastly, we also value reaching. We've been talking about the last three weeks that our mission is to be intentional with the gospel, and it's really about reaching people with the gospel. It is not simply about having people here and singing some songs and listening to somebody talk for 35 or 45 minutes. It's, 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 not, it's not about that. It is really about reaching people with the life-changing message of the gospel. And the most exciting stories that I could tell you this morning are of people whose lives are being changed. Right here in Cary. That's why we're here. That's the mission. Each month I hear stories from the Hutchersons in Lebanon and 
the Simchenkos in East Asia and leaders of our area Young Life Clubs that we support. And those stories so often are about changed lives, about lives that are being, are being changed because people have come face to face with what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't know it and they understood it. If it's true, and I believe it is, I preached it a few weeks ago, that we are created with a void that's in our life and nothing else will ever fill it except for Jesus, then we need to be a place, we need to be people where, where people find out the answer to those questions and find out what needs to go in that hole. There's no athletic event, there's no house that you're ever going to buy or car that you're ever going to own or vacation that you're ever going to go on that's going to fill that void. It's only the gospel. And I'm thankful that we're a part of that. In July, we began supporting Dima and Maria Kotick, which is really an exciting thing. They're going to be church planting in Kazakhstan. And this is an incredible couple. Any of you ever said, uh, hey, if Chick-fil-A goes public, I'm going to invest? Anybody ever said that? I've decided if Chick-fil-A ever goes, goes public, I'm, I'm going all in. I'm going to sell my house. I'm, giving, I'm putting it all in. I'm putting all the chips in that because I believe this. That Chick-fil-A stock, that's going to take off, right? That's a good place to invest your money. I've invested a lot there, and you have too. <laughs> I feel the same way, by the way. I feel the same way about Dima and Maria and really all of our global staff. These are young people that are doing something incredible with their lives. They're sharp. They're prepared. They have vision. They have purpose. Dima and Maria are going to go do something pretty incredible, and we're invested in it. And I can't wait to see what it is. We bought Dima a suit a couple weeks ago. He was still wearing the same suit that he bought for five bucks when he left to go to Moody Bible Institute about 12 years ago. Trying to think about me putting on the suit that I wore 12 years ago. That wouldn't be a good thing. I saw him. In fact, the Sunday that he came to preach, he had it on. I make it him take off the jacket. But he had, his, he had the pants on. And I said, is that the same suit? And he said, yes. And again, because we had excess in our budget, I told David Amon to take him shopping and buy him a suit. So we got to buy him a suit. I'm going to make sure David this week puts Dima's thank you note in our, uh, in our e-news and let you see what he wrote about his suit that he got. God's going to do some incredible stuff with this couple. And we're invested. We're invested. We're going to get to be part of it. We just completed our second year of supporting our Kenyan pastors. We give them monthly support in order that they might give themselves fully to the work of the ministry. And it is making a difference. It's making an incredible difference. Let me just tell you this. It is also incredibly frustrating. You know me to, I think, most of you who know me know me to be a person. I speak truth, okay? I don't sugarcoat things. I'm telling you, it's tough. The relationship is tough. But good things are happening, and we're committed to that partnership, and we want to continue it in the future. I want to close real quick before we uh, take some questions by telling you a little update on our land. In his recent book, Vision Lost and Found, author Tim Stevens makes this observation. He said, we call the property the church campus, but then say it's a place to offer help to the community. Wouldn't that be like calling my home the Stevens house, he says, and then trying to convince people it's open to everyone. It sure doesn't sound very open. So we've been asking ourselves the question the last year or so, what if our building was a place where we as a church gathered to worship and grow while at the same church was a place that our community viewed as a place for help and hope? In other words, we designed it, we built it, we paid for it, It was used for the purposes of impacting and influencing not just Christ followers, but our community that we'd say we desire to serve and reach with the gospel. Imagine if our church, if our buildings were known in our community as a place for help and for hope, 
Much like a hospital is known to go if you're hurt, or Harris Teeter if you need some food, or Old Navy if you need some clothes, or Los Trace if you need some Mexican, or Dunkin' Donuts, you get where I'm going, right? If in the same way people thought of our campus that this is the place that I go in times of my greatest need, if I need help with my marriage, there are classes and counseling available. If I need to figure out how to be a great parent, there's coaching available. If your finances are a mess, there's financial classes that'll teach you how to manage your money. If you're struggling with addiction or recovering from the loss of a child or spouse or trying to figure out your life after a shattered marriage, then this is the place. What if our campus was the place that people thought of at some of the biggest moments of their life, such as at a wedding or at a funeral? You might say, well, why can't we do this in a church building? And here's the true answer, because most people in our community don't see the church as a viable place to go for help. In fact, surveys tell us this, that as much as 60% of the population would never consider visiting a church building. 60%. You take a look at a cross-section of our culture here in Northwest Cary, is it any wonder that some people, based on the countries they come from, the religion that they grew up in, they would never think about going to a traditional church with a steeple? They wouldn't do that. And so we got to build a place where the church gathers, certainly, but it also has to be a place where the community feels comfortable going for help and for hope. And that's where they encounter Jesus at those crossroads of life. Now, you might ask us how we're going to do that. And here's the true answer. I don't know. All right? I don't know. If I had it all figured out, I would have done this for 25 years. I don't have it all figured out. Our elder team doesn't have it all figured out. Our staff doesn't have it all figured out. But we are working on figuring it out and what that looks like. And so over the past year, really a couple of years, we've been asking God to give us a piece of land where we could build that kind of a place. And it looks like as if he's in the process of doing just that. You're going to notice back in May that we reported to you that we signed a letter of intent to explore purchasing 60 acres of land on the corner of Morrisville Parkway and White Oak Church Road. And for the past three and a half months, we have been doing our due diligence on that property, meeting with the town of Cary, doing environmental studies, interviews with architects, etc. And we've just recently reached an agreement. That property is on three different locations. The property that's north of Morrisville Parkway, we really wanted to be able to get rid of so that we could not have to widen all of Morrisville Parkway. And we've been able to come to an agreement to swap that land with some land that is contiguous with the corner that we want to eventually build our campus on. We just signed that agreement, and it looks like we don't have any problems with that. You might also recall that we mentioned in May that we knew we weren't able to afford to purchase all 60 acres of land. And so we needed to find a partner who would help us come along with us, participate with us, and do residential development on the other part of the land. We've been talking with a builder developer over the past three weeks or so, and we anticipate the possibility, I say that carefully, we anticipate the possibility that this coming week we might get an offer from them on that other piece of property. Now, I can't tell you all the numbers exactly, but I'm just going to tell you, if I'm able to in a couple weeks, you're going to just go, that's a God thing. That's what you're going to do. Right, Joel Carpenter? That's what they're going to do. Ed Tang, is that what they're going to do? They're just going to go, this is a God thing. They're going to go, how'd you guys do that? And we're going to go, we didn't. It's a God thing. And those of you that have been around here any length of time, you know we've prayed that God would do something that only he could receive the credit for. That was so incredible that we would go, how'd you do that? And we'll go, but God, right? We've talked about those moments in scripture where it says, but God, this is going to be one of those moments. So I ask you to pray this week. We're excited about participating and, and partnering with this particular builder. If the doors open up, if it doesn't, 
There are others that have expressed interest. This is our first choice, and we hope that this might work out this week and we can report that back to you. That good stuff or what? You can't get excited about that again. You're dead. It's good. It's awesome. Well, I know we're out of time. Let me ask you, David, do we have any questions? Okay. What will you miss most about being a portable church? Huh. That was a question that was planted for sure. You know, I think the, I think the only thing that we, we'll, I, I shouldn't say that. We, we love Panther Creek High School. They've been good to us. I'd probably say I'm going to miss our custodian if God moves us off this property. Because Hector, Hector's awesome. I've said, I've said for several years, it's like having another staff member that we don't have to pay for. It's awesome. In fact, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be our facilities director at our new campus someday. Who knows? I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss the relationships. We intend to still be on this campus, though. We're vested here in Northwest Cary. There's a lot of great things about being a portable church because everybody has to pitch in. They've got to serve. They've got to get involved or it doesn't happen. Trust me, get here at 7 o'clock next Sunday morning and you'll know. A lot of stuff that has to happen just a few minutes from now. So while you don't miss it on one end, it's really great to serve together uh, like that as well. But we'd love for God to give us a facility too. Anything else? David? I, are you shaking your head or saying, oh. How will we pay for the property and building a facility? You will. You will pay. That's how we'll pay. Simple. I love easy questions. It's the hard ones I get stumbled over, but those are very, very easy. I'm telling you, if we're able to tell you in a couple weeks about our land and what God's done there and, and what we really anticipate he will do, whether it's this builder or not, our cost base is coming down significantly. We're in the process right now of preparing of how to communicate best our vision. We're talking to architects. We may be even hiring an architect here in the next couple weeks to retain to start talking to us about our site development. They understand us. Both firms that we've talked to, one especially, really gets what we're about. They've done this a couple other places in the country where a church has said, we want to be a blessing to our community. We want this to be a place where people feel comfortable coming on our campus. And we're going to engage with them soon. So we're talking with architects and we're talking about a capital campaign potentially in the spring where we'll, for the first time, really ask you to give other than just your weekly giving. We're going to ask you to give, but we're going to ask you to give to something that matters and something that counts. And I guarantee you, when we not only show you pictures of what we want to do, but we tell you philosophy and strategy and how we intend to use this building for the cause of Christ in this community, if God, uh, if God gives it to you to invest, you're going to want to invest it in this. And I anticipate we'll probably carry, we, we will carry some debt. We're really already carrying a huge mortgage payment that we pay to Panther Creek each week and only get to use the facilities for a few hours. All right? All right, we'll stop there. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for letting me. I really say that sincerely. Sincerely, thank you for letting me be part of the mission. I love doing life with each one of you. They're in a place I'd rather be then right here in Northwest Cary at, at Northwest Community Church. And uh, I'm excited that I get to do it uh, with you. All right?